I'm Virginia Allen, and this is a bonus episode of Problematic Women. You know, it is hard to believe, but campaign season for the 2024 presidential election, it's already underway. And, you know, I think one of the most fun things about this part of the year or season very often goes longer than a year, the presidential campaign season, is getting to hear some of these candidates speak in person. I remember when I was in sixth grade and living in New Hampshire, and my mom took me to this big convention center in Manchester, New Hampshire, to hear President George W. Bush speak. And honestly, I was, I was 12 years old. I don't really remember what he said, but I do remember the atmosphere in the room, that people were excited to be there, and there was patriotic music playing, and people were holding their signs and cheering. And I think it's, it's those sort of electrifying moments when uh, it really is fun to hear, okay, what are what are these candidates presenting? What are their policy issues that they're passionate about? And coming up this week, a lot of folks in Iowa have the opportunity to experience something very similar. Multiple presidential candidates are speaking at an event that's hosted by Iowa Senator Joni Ernst. Every year, Senator Joni Ernst hosts an event called the Roast and Ride. It is a motorcycle ride that she actually leads, which is pretty cool that she rides a motorcycle. So she leads this motorcycle ride with all of uh, these uh, motorcyclists, I guess that's that's how you say it, uh, to the Iowa State Fairgrounds where they eat great barbecue and they hear from presidential candidates. At least that's what they're doing this year. So this year, speaking at this event, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will be there, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, political commentator Larry Elder, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, and former Vice President Mike Pence is also going to be there, though he has not yet formally announced his run for president in 2024, but he is expected to do so soon. And this is significant because Iowa, along with South Carolina and New Hampshire, is one of uh, the three states that is first to hold caucuses and primaries for elections. So a lot of people watch what is the tone in Iowa, South Carolina, and New Hampshire as these candidates come to speak. How are they received by folks? So a lot of people are going to be watching what happens in Iowa this Saturday. And certainly if you happen to be in Iowa and can participate, damn, that sounds like a cool opportunity. And DM us on the Problematic Women Instagram account to let us know how it was. Uh, but for the rest of us who don't live in Iowa, we'll be watching from afar and, and hearing how the event goes. Uh, so Senator Joni Ernst, she's joining us on the show to discuss this, to talk about this roast and ride. And she's also talking about some of her work and advocacy along with Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama in their fight to end a Pentagon policy that uses taxpayer money to help cover costs associated with abortion. She's also discussing uh, the fight to protect women's sports. So quite a few issues that we feel very passionate about here at Problematic Women. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get to this bonus conversation with Senator Joni Ernst. Today, news you can trust feels like a rarity. 
That's why the Daily Signal podcast releases a top news edition every weekday at 5 p.m. Whether driving home from work, fixing dinner, or picking the kids up from soccer practice, you can stay informed on the headlines you care about. Every show is quick and succinct, designed to keep you up to speed on the issues that actually matter. Catch our top news edition right here in your Daily Signal podcast feed every evening. Or listen first thing in the morning before catching the day's interview. And be sure to subscribe on the Daily Signal podcast so you never miss an episode. It is my distinct privilege today to be joined by Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa. Senator, welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be with you. Thanks so much. Well, this is fun because we get to kick off the show talking about Honestly, one of probably the the greatest summer activities that you can do, which is riding a motorcycle and going to eat barbecue. I don't know what is more summer than that, but there is a, a great annual event that you host called the Roast and Ride, and it takes place uh, at the state fairgrounds in Iowa. And it's uh, really a, an event that supports our veterans. It supports a veteran organization. And there's a group of people that you all ride motorcycles to the fairgrounds where you eat barbecue and you hear from some great folks. Now, Senator, are you going to be riding a motorcycle in this event yourself? I will be. Um, I lead the pack and we've had as many as 500 uh, motorcycles out on this ride. And the Roasted Ride is an annual event and it is family friendly, great entertainment, great food. But the way we do this, we kick off the day at Big Barn Harley-Davidson in Des Moines, Iowa, and that starts at 1030. And those that register for the ride their ticket sales, all of those proceeds go to a veteran's charity. Every year, I pick a different charity to support. And this year, it's our great friends over in Cedar Rapids at the Freedom Foundation. And that is a Veterans Helping Veterans organization. And I have visited them many times. They're doing great work across the state of Iowa, primarily in their region, but they're good, good folks. So we kick off with the motorcycle ride and then we'll end up at the fairgrounds. And again, you can get your tickets at roastandride.com. But once you arrive at the fairgrounds and, and you don't have to participate in the motorcycle ride, you can just go to the fairgrounds and grab a barbecue sandwich, um, hang out with our VIPs. We have a whole list of presidential hopefuls um, on the GOP ticket that are attending this year's event at the fairgrounds. Again, June 3rd, roastandride.com. We've been announcing some of those presidential hopefuls, and we're really, really excited about the opportunity to showcase them all to Iowa voters and all of the additional uh, visitors that will come into Iowa for this event. Yeah, well, this is a big deal because, of course, Iowa is a, an early caucus state. A lot of people look to what happens in Iowa. So tell us, who are some of these speakers that on, on June 3rd, they're going to be attending the Roast and Ride? And these are presidential candidates that are going to be speaking not only to Iowans, but to all Americans. 
Absolutely. And we have got a whole list and it's fantastic. Um, of course, we have Nikki Haley and Tim Scott. We've got Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, we've got Larry Elder. We've got Perry Johnson, Mike Pence. Um, we have a few others that we'll be announcing here in the next couple of days as well. Um, but we did extend invitations to anyone that was considering a run for the presidency on the GOP ticket. Um, and we've had such a great response. And they'll all take the stage and be able to appeal to the Iowa voter, be able to talk about their values, their inspirations, and be able to mix and mingle with Iowans as well. So it's a big deal. Um, Mike Pence will actually be joining in on the motorcycle ride too. Oh, really? So, wow. Yes, we have a few that are riders. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And it's, it is just so much fun and a great way to interact with Iowa voters. You know, Iowa is the first in the nation caucus state. Democrats, not so much anymore. You know, the Democrats uh, really gave middle America the middle finger. And uh, as a GOP, we're, we're maintaining that first in the nation caucus. And we think it's really important that people remember we're not just flyover. You know, we're everyday Americans, proud patriots, and we really do want a voice in deciding who our next president will be. So as those candidates take to the stage, whether it's Nikki Haley or Tim Scott or Vivek Ramaswamy or any of the other candidates, what do you think Iowans want to hear from them? Well, one is uh, what are we going to do to drive our nation forward? We live in the greatest nation on the face of this planet. And I know that all of our candidates know that. Unfortunately, so many of our voters across these great United States have just been hammered, um, whether it's inflation, the, the debt and the debt ceiling, um, all of the wokeness that's coming from uh, the far left, the climate ideology. Um, this is not the America that many of us grew up with. And I think that Iowa voters, those that are in attendance, they want to hear from these candidates on what are we going to do to reaffirm who we are as America? What are we going to do to get our debt under control? How are we going to support our great military men and women? Um, I think there are so many things that Americans are hungering for, but they want a positive message on how we can right our nation. Yeah, absolutely. Senator, I, I want to dive in uh, here in just a moment and talk about some of the key issues that, that you've mentioned that Americans care about and that you have taken some action on uh, within the Senate. Uh, but before we do that, I, I do just want to acknowledge that you yourself are a veteran. You served. How long did you serve? Thank you. Yes, I served uh, for over 23 years between the Army Reserves and the Iowa Army National Guard. I served as a company commander in Operation Iraqi Freedom One, which was from 2003 to 2004, with a, a whole group of Iowa Army National Guard truck drivers and mechanics and just the, the folks that are making it happen, you know, the wheels on the road, um, some of the best, hardest working soldiers you will find anywhere in the nation. And I'm, I'm proud of them and all that they did uh, to support the greater force for the greater good. And uh, honestly, uh, serving in our armed services was one of the greatest privileges of my mm -hmm. life. 
Well, we thank you, Senator, for your service. And we thank you for the ways that even now um, you're working to represent and to bring uh, accountability in so many areas. And and specifically, there's one area I want to talk about that has to do with the issue of life right now and holding the Pentagon specifically accountable on this issue. Um, there's a, a large debate right now within the Senate over a Pentagon policy that provides three weeks of paid leave and taxpayer-funded reimbursement of travel expenses for military personnel and dependents who seek an abortion. You introduced a legislation to bring this new Pentagon policy to an end. Why is the Pentagon trying to use taxpayer money to help cover costs associated with abortion? Right, exactly. Uh, This is a brand new policy, and why they are doing it is very hard to explain. Um, So we have an issue with taxpayer dollars going towards these efforts to provide abortions, not just for service members, but but for their dependents as well. Um, So I take real issue with that, and I do have legislation that would undo this Pentagon policy. It is a policy that was put into place by Secretary Austin, uh, and it is something that we as a Congress do not have the opportunity to overturn the way you would a rule that's put in place by uh, any of the other administrative agencies in the federal government. So I do have legislation that would strip this rule away and return it to the way it was a number of months ago before Austin put this rule into place. Um, I just think the the issue is very bad. It's DOD has a war against the unborn, and I I struggle with that. I of course, as I just said, I am a proud service member. I'm I'm so grateful for the opportunities that the military gave me, but we are those that are the ones that will go forward and defend life. Um, we are soldiers and airmen and Marines and sailors, and we are there to protect vulnerable around the world. And yet we have this war on the unborn within our own Department of Defense. So I do have legislation, and I'm hoping to gain support on this and actually get it included either in the Defense Authorization Act or uh, have a straight out vote on it on the floor of the Senate. Um, I'm sure we'll get it through the House. It's the Senate that's the issue. Um, But uh, yeah, I am very, very upset with the Department of Defense for this particular rule and the fact that uh, we're using taxpayer funds uh, to go after the unborn. It's very, very unfortunate, and I'm going to do something about it. Well, and you, you're not the only senator who is deeply concerned over this policy. Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama is blocking the Senate's approval of nearly 200 promotions of military generals and flag officers until the Pentagon agrees to end this policy. Are, are you supportive of Tuberville's actions here? I am supportive of undoing this uh, this egregious rule. I think it's really important. And Coach continues to raise the issue. And I just want to remind people, um, and I, I hate that uh, Coach has really received a lot of ire from a lot of people. You know, they're, they're cursing him out. But you know what? Chuck Schumer could have brought these generals to the floor and we could have voted on these generals on the floor. So 
of course, there are ways around coach's block or his holds. And yet Chuck Schumer is choosing not to do that. So I hate that people are directing all of the negativity at coach when it's actually Chuck Schumer that is not bringing those generals forward for votes on the floor. He could have done that 10 weeks ago and he chose not to do it. Is the Pentagon responding either to your proposed legislation or to Tuberville's reaction or his uh, his advocacy and his decision to really block these um, these promotions until the Pentagon takes action? Have we heard from the Pentagon? Well, I know that they are very upset and they have not reached out directly to me because all I am saying is that we take the policy back to where it was months ago. It worked just fine. So uh, let's let's go back to the way it was and uh, not have to hold all of these these generals. Um, that's the simple solution. And Lloyd Austin, Secretary Austin, simply could go back and reverse his policy. That would be the easiest way to do it. Otherwise, uh, there is the issue of either vo- voting on my legislation on the floor of the Senate or voting on it through the National Defense Authorization Act. So there's a number of ways that we can handle this. Or Chuck Schumer can just simply bring these generals up on the floor of the Senate and we can vote on them. But Chuck Schumer, I I would direct uh, all of that anger right back at Chuck Schumer and at Secretary Lloyd Austin. You know, this is, they can undo this mandate. They can undo this, but they're choosing not to. Mm. Senator, one of the issues that we cover really extensively on this show is that of women's sports and the fight to protect women's sports. And this is something that I know you are very passionate about. Uh, You have supported and you've uh, co-sponsored the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act. And I want to read a quote from you. Say, man, you might feel like a woman, but you aren't one. You must protect our young girls and make sure they aren't pushed off the podium. Can you explain what exactly the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act would do and where this piece of legislation stands right now? So simple. It would just simply state and return our policies to where if you are a biological male, you don't compete in women and girls sports. Title IX is the law of the land. And yet we have so many on the far left, even though they fought for 50 years to protect women and girls through Title IX and equal opportunity in sports, they really are afraid to speak out on this. They have become so woke that they think it's okay for biological males to compete against females. And those biological males are pushing our females right off the podium and cutting them out of scholarship opportunities. And I just, I can't figure out where we are as a nation today when we have fought so hard. I know in the military being, you know, oftentimes the only woman in a room briefing, you know, a bunch of men, uh, how it how it feels um, to not have a place Um, we finally have a place in women and girls sports and here we are allowing men to take right back over again. Um, I've really championed this issue again with coach Tuberville 
he has been a, a very outspoken about this. Um, but Riley Gaines has been in, incredible on this issue, and she's calling out the silence. Silence on this is not okay. Not when we see biological males beating women in sports all the way through high school on up into the NCAA and, and beyond. It's completely unfair. We know that men have different body builds than females do. And so there should be no question. If you are a biological man, please don't be taking opportunities away from our girls and our young women. Absolutely unfair. Um, so uh, I'll continue to speak out about this. Um, you know, what happened to science? Everybody used to talk about science, science, science. Pretty simple. Who is a male and who is a female? And we should be basing our uh, decisions on sports based upon our gender at birth. Senator, you know, I've, I've said many times on this podcast that I think if we went back even 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and told people where we would be at today on this issue, that we would have men entering women's sports and taking opportunities from them, people wouldn't believe you. They would be shocked at how quickly we got to this point. Do you think that the pendulum has swung so far one way that soon we'll see kind of a natural swinging back and a return to logic and, like you said, to science on this issue. Yeah, I am I am shocked. I am still shocked. Um, if you had told me 10 years ago that this would be happening, I wouldn't have, I really would not have believed it. Um, and I do hope that the pendulum comes back, but I am really, really worried about what we see going on across the United States when we get into um, these issues with, with transgender people. Um, and the fact that even um, men that are transitioning to be a woman, even that they think it's okay, um, is bothersome to me. Uh, I, I can't believe we're at a, a place today in this nation where we are stripping away opportunities for uh, women and, and girls. Uh, again, we have fought so hard to get where we are today simply to have men come in and take over. Um, it's it's not right. It's not fair. And again, I, I look to Riley Gaines, who is a, a phenomenal swimmer, um, who has had many a title that she's battled for only to be faced with a biological male and to not be able to um, take home that trophy because of biological men. Mm-hmm. Senator, before we let you go today, I, I want to ask, we have so many uh, young female listeners who enjoy this podcast, and you have had such a diverse career and honestly broken a, a lot of molds. Talk a little bit about what the advice would be that you would give to young women who are young in their career, maybe just starting out. Oh, I appreciate that. And and I love speaking to groups of young women. And the best advice that I can give young women across the United States today is figure out what your passion is. And when you know what that passion is, make sure you study it up one side and down the other and have all those answers. Become that subject matter expert. And then when you walk into a room 
especially if that room is just completely filled with a group of men, leave no doubt in anyone's mind that you are the expert on that issue. Go in and own that room. It is so important that you do that. Carry yourself well. Um, I've faced that many times over, especially I'll give you a little story on the Armed Services Committee when I first got to the United States Senate, um, going in for those first committee meetings and all the guys on the committee are like, oh, look at little Joni. Isn't she so cute? You know, oh, sweet Joni and little pat on the head kind of issue. And But, you know, when you get down to questioning the witnesses in front of you, you know, after those first few committee meetings, they had no doubt, there was no doubt left in their minds at all that I was a subject matter expert. I had worn those boots. I knew my topic up one side and down the other. I owned the room. And I think it's important that young women know that today, that you can go in, you can own the room. And you will leave that room with a heck of a lot of respect. I love that. A message of empowerment. Senator Joni Ernst, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a a real privilege. Great to be with you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us today on this bonus episode of Problematic Women. If you have never had the chance to leave us a rating and review for the show, we invite you to do so. Those mean so much to us. Please take just a moment to do so. Subscribe to the show so you never miss out on new shows. And also make sure to follow us on Instagram. You can just search for Problematic Women on Instagram and keep up with not only what we're doing on the show each Thursday morning, but also just general news that as conservative women, we care about. But be sure to join us for our regular edition on Thursday morning. But we hope that you all have a great week and we'll see you on Thursday. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.